What is phase two? New day is done. The day of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Gathered from around the galaxy comes the world's greatest comic book fans all in one terrific podcast. It's the Power Cosmic Podcast. With your host with the most, the man who puts on Terrific Con, the world's greatest Comic Con every August at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, Mitch Halleck. Joining Mitch each week will be an assembly of his terrific super friends. Join them as they talk about comic books, movies, and more. It's the Power Cosmic Podcast. Power Cosmic Podcast. Hello, everybody in the ships at sea. You're listening to the Power Cosmic Podcast. (laughs) We're going to beat those Jerry's. We're going to get them. Make sure you save all your copper and bring it to your local Salvation Army. Hi, I'm your host, Mitch Halleck, right here on the front lines. We're here celebrating Mitch's birthday, along with uh, that funny strip guy himself, Jeremiah Ordway. You know this kid, he's the Duke of Paducah. He's out here from all the way from Milwaukee. That's an Indian word that means, hey, my beer's cold. Now listen to you, kids. You're listening to (laughs) on Armed Forces Radio here. This isn't Tokyo Rose or Berlin Bertha. No, this is the Mighty Mitch, the Mighty Mitch Players here with Jerry Colonna. On <laughs> no, you've you've reached the power. <laughs> We're gonna have uh, Anita Eckberg come on later on, and uh, she's gonna show you a thing or two. There's like six people out there that listen to this show. Go, is he drinking again? No, this is the Power Cosmic Podcast for July 9th, nineteen oh. 2010, 2020, the year of <laughs> the year of the pandemic. That's right. Panda bears have invaded the town. Pan- I thought it was a panda emic. I kept looking for the bears. I'm like, they're so cute. But no, we're sitting here. I'm about to celebrate my birthday. Sarah brought me a candle, which I blew out wearing my mask. Jerry's already eating his pizza. Speaking of birthdays, Ordway, to you know this week. John Byrne okay. turns 70 years old. That's kind of amazing. Happy birthday to John Byrne. I'm sure he's listening to this right now. Of course. Oh, and that screaming baby sound effect is added for your listening pleasure. So please, write in with that's your... Actually John. That's actually <laughs> Speaking of John Byrne, he's here now. <laughs> okay, somebody put another nipple in his mouth. <laughs> Nobody wants to turn 70. Easy now. We're sitting here telling Sarah the waitress about how Bradley Cooper, Brad Pitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio have been spotted in the vicinity because everybody's coming to Connecticut because we're COVID-free. Well, not really. We just have a low number, and everybody and their brothers come near. I know. Anyway, I'm going to start eating my pizza. And I'm talking. I like that voice though. They had that certain cadence back then. When you ever listen to it, it's always great. And I. No, but they, were, they actually talked that way because I watched. They said, why did they do that? But that was, all the old movies, they all have that, like, say, we could put a show on. And then we'll sell the, the thing. Speaking of that, you know where I got that from? Did hey, you watch? Mugs. <laughs> I've been watching TV. They let me out again. I saw uh, What We Do in the Dark. 
Oh, is that what we do in the shadows? What we do in the shadows. That has to be one of the best written shows out there. It's hilarious because it's nuts. Yeah. It's like a Simpsons episode. It's about the three vampires living in Staten Island. And I watched the one the other day where um, they got invited. They thought it was a, super, a superb owl, but it was a Super Bowl party because right. all they do is move the bee. They, they go, oh, I love the owls. Superb owls to show I, up. I love owls because they just throw their scat everywhere. I mean, that's a line. <laughs> You're never going to hear that again. But they go over and they, they use their vampire hypnotic powers too much on the guy Sean. And they basically made him like. Did you ever watch What We Do in the Shadows, Sarah? I've heard of that. About the vampires. Very funny. Yes. Yes. And because he was at a, he was working at a bar, one of the uh, vampires left his wife, and he became Jake. Jake from um, Arizona. Right. She goes, you don't sound like you're from Arizona. And, oh, it's an Arizona accent. The way he said he had a toothpick in his mouth. And Mark Hamill and came out. And the yeah. hat was a part of the costume or whatever. Right? Mark Hamill was on the show yeah. as an old vampire yeah, who lost his fortune to this other guy, La- Laszlo, was it? No, I thought he lost it to him. He was definitely had a, a beef with him. No, he had a beef with the guy. The guy the with the he took the hat off, he recognized him. Oh, no, 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 no. It was the toothpick. He threw oh, the yeah. toothpick at him. It was like, it's you! And I'm like, oh, my God, that was hysterical because it's the same guy. It's the but, Clark Kent thing with the glasses. Yeah. Oh, and then he was doing the, he was making a martini, but there was no reflection in the, uh, right. in the mirror. And uh, Mark Hamill is this old, fat, gray-haired uh, vampire, and he's fighting with the other vampire because he lost his fortune to him. But they start a bar fight, and they both grab cue sticks for a minute, and Mark Hamill's holding the cue stick like a lightsaber, and the other guy goes, oh, forget that. <laughs> he just breaks the cue stick in half. I was like, this is the greatest that show in the world. And then the guy leaves. The resolution the, was good, too, though. Oh, when he gives him the, the Billy Bass? Well, yeah. yeah, right. The, it was like some like the Billy Bass was the talking fish. The talking was popular fish. around 1999. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, my God, this is a miracle. But the best thing, he goes, okay, well, it looks like it's time for, I can't remember what he called himself, like Jake. And he gets in his giant red pickup truck, and he throws it. <laughs> Right. He, instead of backing up, he goes forward right into the wall, and he goes, oh, wow, that was really expensive. And he turns into a bat and flies away, because I'm thinking, if he's a vampire bat, why the hell does he have a pickup truck? Well, he said he couldn't drive, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they had their uh, helper, whatever they call him, who's like their, the human, their human right. slave, right. and he does all their bidding for him, but he like stumbled across a vampire hunting group, and he's working for him because he's got Van Helsing blood inside of him. It was just so out there. Like, the concept is nuts. It's really good. The acting's great. You've seen the movie, though, right? No, I never saw the movie. I only saw the TV show. There's a movie that started. Takeda Wakiti? Taika? Taika Wakiti. Yeah, he's the guy that wrote it. He and Jermaine Clement. Who's that? Jermaine Clement. You'd recognize him. He was the bad guy in the third Men in Black movie. And he was also... In um, uh, the, oh, the, 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 the guy with the deep voice who yeah. talks like yeah. that. Yeah. That guy? Yeah. He's a guy. Oh, it's fantastic. I actually blew the candle out through my mask. That I, means it's not effective. He was trying to. <laughs> no, because I didn't want to like spread germs, so I was like, right. and it worked. Well, there's actually there's a few tests that they've been doing, and if um, really? if you can blow air through, actually the test it's is blowing out a candle. If you can blow out a candle with your mask, it's not like actually. Oh, sorry, Jerry. 
Yeah, you might as well have just. I've got good lungs, though. I mean, you know, it's like super lungs. Right, that's what it is. It took a couple tries. Uh-huh. I infected the entire area. No, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. No, don't worry. That's why we have the glass up. That's right. You it's can't get anyone. Soundproof. Well, he killed me. He killed Jerry. Well, Mitch. <laughs> famed Superman artist found dead from <laughs> Mitch's birthday wish. <laughs> yeah, right. I wasn't wishing for that. That was his yeah. wish. That was it. <laughs> oh no! I didn't wish for that. You've been listening to the haunting sounds of Sarah, the super waitress, as she once again pops in on the show. But no, the, that's the, why our ratings are up, Jared. The movie, yes, that started it all was directed, co-directed by them, and the script was written by them, and it's basically the same premise, but it was in New Zealand. So it's different vampires. Same here. actors? No, no, it, it was them. It was Jermaine Clement and Taika and... Oh, uh, they played the vampires? Yeah, yeah, and then the one guy from who was from Flight of the Concords, remember the guy who was the embassy guy, or the I might. the guy who was always checking in on them? It was kind of like a dopey I, dude. I, I, it's been a long time. He, he was part of like a gang of werewolves. And they had like an encounter in the park, and it was just the like, you know, like it was just funny. It was like, oh, what is that smell? Is that a werewolf? <laughs> you know, they were just clearly on opposite sides of the. Uh, no, they do that hissing sound a lot. Right. <laughs> no, it's a good show. I watched. I told you. I think I've, what have you been watching, been Jerry? Watching, why wouldn't I watched all of? Comedians in cars getting coffee. See, I've watched almost all of them because I'll like jump around and go, oh, I like that guy. No, I just decided to run it. You just let it go? Through. I had watched it like on Crackle back, you know, years ago. It's not like five seasons or so, isn't it? Or more? Yeah, it's, There's a, a lot it's been of on them. for ten seasons, technically. Is it really? They've compressed it to like six because Netflix I think he's has done every comedian number, there is now. And they changed the order. So I thought when I started watching it, oh, I already saw a couple of seasons of it, but then I, they, they moved them around. So I watched it and I enjoyed it. And uh, when I finished that... The Letterman one's funny. They're all good in their own way because some of them you learn something about the people. No, but Letterman go, tells oh, I didn't a, know about that guy. That's no, Letterman tells a story about that Paul Newman souped up Volvo right. wagon. Right, head. right. It was like a rocket engine. Well, and that was the one I remember they were up at Stu Leonard's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they, uh, they also went on to 84, which is a highway near us. <laughs> and they were doing... They, they opened it up and let that... Baby Cruz, which was funny. The thing that was funny too was this guy who's on like the early, I think the first season, and he's also on the, the last season, the last episode. His, his name is Barry Martyr. He's the guy, he looks like Mike Carlin. It's kind of funny. I was watching the show and I'm seeing this screen capture of the two of them sitting in a diner. Is that Jared's friend who's not really a comedian? He's just like right, angry. but he's sold, he used to sell jokes to yeah, all yeah, these yeah, guys yeah, back yeah, I, I saw that. Really. He's this Barry Martyr guy wrote. A bunch of books as Ted L. Nancy. I didn't realize this. I picked up the books and they're hilarious. It's basically this guy's written, I think, three or four of the essays or something. No, what he does is he writes a very sincere letter to, say, Procter and Gamble, with like the most ridiculous, ludicrous complaint, complaint, complaint or whatever about, you know, dishwashing liquid and then he prints his letter and then the responses from like the corporate you know whoever is supposed to respond and they're it's a hilarious customer service or something it's hilarious because he'll just he'll like his his complaints are like lunatic and then you know the response is someone trying to like be very nice and not offend somebody you know what though in all seriousness my mom would be that letter writer but they, they would always, no, no, but she would right. always, I don't know, she's like old school. She always writes letters. 
she would be like, oh, I used your product. It was very good. And uh, it got the stain out. And I just want to say thank you very much. It was a good value. And then they write back to her. with like coupons or here's $10 off or something. She's like, oh, I didn't want anything. She's just funny that way. She always does it. She's been doing that since I was a kid, though. She you was actually writing, writing letters. celebrities. She used to write right. celebrities, yeah. And that's, we used to get autographs constantly. And it's like you could tell, like, the studio form letter, like you would just get an autograph. Or sometimes you'd actually get, like, a stationary or a handwritten letter from right. somebody. They were like, oh, thank you very much. I got, And I used to sit there and go, maybe out of the thousands that they would get, maybe a couple they would actually handpick and go, oh, someone wrote to you about something, you know? Because we would get, like personalized Christmas cards from John Candy and Jimmy Cagney and Alan Alda. It's like, really? But think about it. Nobody writes letters anymore. When she was writing, people, I mean, the biggest impediment to like being able to contact a celebrity. Yes, it's crazy. Is that everybody wants something. Yeah, she would never, she would just write a nice thank you letter. The difference is if someone, I mean, we all have gotten these letters where people write you and they I want I get something. it constantly. And I get free tickets. Will, right, but I'm saying, like, most people are not like that, but many people are. Yeah. Like, can you do a free sketch for me? Yeah, or, yeah. you know, and sometimes people will, you know, you take it at face value. It's like, yeah. okay, is this person lying that they've got somebody who's in Oh, yeah, hospital? I get a lot of You that, know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I always used to do a, like, if they sent me a little postcard, I would do a sketch on it because you don't want to be the guy who... I take it at face value that you're telling me the truth. I, I somebody do that sent too. me a box of, you know, like 50 comics and said, sign them. Scott I'm Martin. not going to do that. You no, know he would actually send you like, oh, here, I heard you say you wanted this. Here you go. I'm right, that's different. But I'm saying, <clears throat> so the difference probably with your mom is she writing a sincere would, letter, yeah. a sincere fan letter, and it's like, okay, how am I not going to respond to that? Right. You know, it's different. Like if she said, "Oh, here's like Kirkman was here's on ten that. copies of uh, your your no, no, eight no, by no, ten. No, 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 sign no, no. these to." Uh, I was watching Robert Kirkman. He's on that Comic Tropes, which is like a video podcast thing on YouTube. It's pretty good, and he's been on all week. And they did like a multi-part. He's talking about how he started. And I didn't know he was a letterer too. He used to letter his own books, and he talked about that. And he talked about going to shows, and he says what happens is he always signs the autographs because he goes. Now that he's become Robert Kirkman from Walking Dead, he goes, I remember when I used to be in the booth, and, you know, and me and uh, Moore, Tony Moore, we couldn't give the books away. People would walk by, and we're like, hey, buddy, want to try our new comic book? And people would walk right by us. And now he's gotten so famous, they have to give away those lottery tickets. Like, so many people goes, but if I'm going to the bathroom, and there's a guy that catches me, he goes, hey, man, can I get... The thing goes, I'll say, dude, let me just go and take a leak, and I'll come back, and I'll sign whatever you got in your backpack. Goes, because I realize that guy is just as much as a fan, but for whatever circumstances, he couldn't get the ticket, and he couldn't get in the lottery. But he goes, but there's no reason why he should be punished because he couldn't get a signing with me. He goes, so if they come up to me and they wait for me, I'll always sign their books because I realize they're they're actually the true fans, you know. But he's fostering the guy who won't stand in line to get the ticket. Well, that's what I'm saying. When he said in that, I'm way, like, you know what's going to happen? Right. He's going to have a million guys outside the bathroom now going, hey, you said. Right. If you, I mean, if you set up a rule, it's kind of like having, like... Um, like Paul Newman was never signed autographs because... Somebody came up to him in the bathroom when he was taking a leak and said, hey, he's like, are you kidding me? And that's why he never signed autographs. Well, for any major celebrity, uh-huh. you sign an autograph, you know it's immediately up on eBay because there's guys who yeah. chase you. No, even in the old days, 
those guys would have, have you, have you ever read about this? They, they have their, like the trunk of their car yeah. is boxes of organized, like, glossies. Party people? <laughs> no, everything's good. Peach is burning my sinuses as always, but that's nice. what's good. It keeps me alive. Yeah, well, it's you get this thing for a reason. It's your birthday. It's reminding it's, it's you birth, that you're alive. That I'm alive, yeah. yeah. You, you could also break your... When's your birthday, Sarah? February 20th. Oh, my sister's February 18th. So ah. that's Aquarius, is it? I'm Pisces. I'm right on the edge. It's like 19 and on. Aquarius. Most serial killers are that... Sorry. <laughs> Good to know. No, I'm serious. <laughs> no, no, I heard no, that. No, there, there was a thing the other day that said all the serial killers and their signs, there was no cancers, which I was like, yeah. And, uh, I didn't see any Sagittarians. No, it's all weird. It's Pisces. Yeah, because we're uh, creative the, and uh, what's, emotional. What's the double thing? Is that Aquarius? Oh, uh, yeah. Aquarius, I think, is like... The two fish things like yeah. this. Gemini. Is Gem- Gemini. That was another right. one that was a lot. I can see that. Why is that? I don't know. And maybe just that they're passionate, but also a lot of... Um, you believe in all that horoscope stuff? Not really. Okay. Uh, but maybe because they're... I don't know, but aren't most serial killers like a form of psycho or sociopath? I don't guess. they? So that's lack of emotion. He wouldn't know. He's a sociopath. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. They're never at the meetings. I don't know where you're getting that from. No, because I don't they're know. busy cleaning out the trunk. Can't read the dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> no, I don't know. Actually, what gets blood out the best is uh, is um, hydrogen peroxide. Is that true? Yep. Why well, breaks right up out. the enzymes or something like that? Always. I got a, a new a poison ivy cure. Yeah. I had poison ivy all over my arm from the dog. I got yeah. covered with it. Deodorant. No. How, what? I, I, uh, I guess right. I don't know what color. So it's probably. What do you think of the aluminum? Well, you know, because I was itching like crazy because it was so hot out yeah. and I was sweating and it was it making me itch. Oh. And then I just put the. I really. I don't know why I put deodorant on it and it dried it up in like days. Yeah. And it stopped itching. I was like, wow. Well, deodorant is supposed to keep you dry. Well, yeah. there you go. It's aluminum. So probably absorbed all that poison ivy stuff. I get poison ivy all the time. Oh no. I hate that stuff. See. I um actually when I was younger, yeah. so I used to live right behind the train tracks. Yeah. And uh, I, as a kid, I would always run through the bushes up to the train tracks. One day I came back and my legs were just covered oh, in poison ivy. Yeah. And that was the worst thing I've ever felt in my life. Oh yeah, no, I can't touch it. Yeah. It worse. Well, there's different. There's those blister ones. I think that's sumac because you can tell there's different types of. Yeah. There's poison ivy, and then you get the ones that have all the blisters, little water yeah. bubble things. But I, I think actually, almost like um, I became immune to it. I have yeah. never, I've touched never poison ivy. Really? My ex used to, he was a landscaper, yeah, he was a landscaper and yeah. he would be covered in it and he's like, I can't touch you. We like, I would touch his arm and stuff. Nothing would ever really? happen to me. Yeah. Cause you have to use what a Dawn dishwashing liquid. It breaks up the oils or something when yeah. you come inside. Something with salt. You're supposed to, yeah. Cause it's oil. It's yeah. an oil from the leaf. Mm-hmm. I had a guy that worked for me years ago. Remember, you used to burn leaves in the backyard? Mm-hmm. Years ago, you could do oh, that. Oh, yeah, but you're not He's, supposed to burn that, though. Well, he said somebody was burning um, poison yeah. ivy. He walked in, he breathed the smoke, and he's like instantly had to go to the yeah, hospital yeah, yeah. because no. everything closed up. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy shit. That's insane. Right? That's a, you can use that as like a, a weapon. To kill somebody. Yeah. You can just Going like, back to serial killers. We made, killers. Uh-oh, right there. We, we made that candle specially for you. I know. You. It's by the way. With it's uh, poison ivy. cyanide or something. Like that. <laughs> no, poison ivy. Can you believe how was 4th of July? Was it busy here? I wasn't here. So also, for, um, Colony's closed on the 4th. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, but I went to, uh, I was in Stanford all oh, yeah? weekend. And, well, uh, we were trying to go to Jersey. It didn't happen. We had like a really nice. fireworks everywhere? 
Um, well, no fireworks, but we had a bunch of illegal fireworks. Oh, yeah, um, everybody I mean, did. It was, like, crazy this weekend. Yeah, and we were just setting them off in the cul-de-sac, and yeah, it yeah. was uh, pretty crazy. It was good. I lit off a bunch of them. Did you know? I'm such a pyro. I just shot a bunch Love of squirrels that. in my AK-47. <laughs> just light up the, the yep. no. Harley's flipping out from fireworks this year. There's oh, so many. Yeah, the, the dog was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. What is happening? We're being attacked. Well, they never understand. No, it's they like, think it's thunder because it had thundered thunder, a couple right. days before and she's right. under the table. The house is shaking. But yeah, it is it's, what it is. Yeah, it's hard yeah. to believe it's July already. I'm like, I what know. Happened? Like, I feel like it's, like, I think I said this last time. The I last like year. it's still February. Yeah. Like, I or, like March, March. Or it was like, it was St. Patrick's Day just but before the April and May. That's what it feels like. They just I remember March, March, April, and May are like boom. Well, happen. taxes are due like next week. They changed. Oh my God, I haven't. You didn't do your taxes yet? Not yet. I finished mine back in March because I thought it was April, but they yeah. moved it. What do you mean not yet? <laughs> it's like the fifteenth. I think is Monday, isn't it? Tuesday? Uh, well, no, tomorrow's the tenth. Yeah. So you gotta hurry it up. I went from comedians and cars oh. getting coffee back to the story already in progress. So you have a good spot to cut. Sometimes it's hard. I was watching on Amazon. I saw I was like flipping through just to see what was available, and they had Ray Bradbury Theater should, yeah. or Ray Bradbury Presents or something. And I hadn't really remembered it. And I probably, as I think about it, I remember the it, opening. What close-ups of his face? Was well, him walking through his writer's yeah. room with all his like? I'm Ray Barberry. Right, and I've he's got all of his yeah. all of his little like tchotchkes and stuff. I remember the opening, but not the show. And um, there was a really funny one. I mean, it, it actually ran. Apparently, according to Amazon, it ran like five seasons on HBO. Oh, so it started in like '87. First season has Drew Barrymore, which was a good episode about the screaming woman. She's a kid, but she's older than she was in E.T., obviously. Yeah. But she's still a kid. She hears, like, a screaming in woman. The she's yeah. in the Yeah, right in the middle of the woods, and she hears a screaming woman, and nobody believes her. And then she thinks, hey, this is somebody buried. But nobody Somebody's buried her. in the woods? So she starts investigating on her own, but her, nobody will believe her. And then somehow, like, a song, she starts hearing the woman singing a song. And she winds up, like, it gets embedded in her head, and she's at bedtime, and her dad is, like, putting her to bed and saying, you know, don't worry. It, this is a half-hour imagine- show? Yeah. Okay. Your imagination, and she starts to go, well, why am, I, why am I thinking of this song? And he, the minute she says the song, he goes, oh, my God. And the, you know, he runs off. He gets the fire department, whoever, and they dig up the area, and it's this neighbor's wife. The guy had buried her alive. So how does the song trigger it off? Because he remembered the woman had, had used to sing this song or sing this song. It was like a oh. specific thing. It was really kind of cool. But anyways, so there's some really you know not so great episodes too. But in the second season, I'm watching, and the, it opens with Michael Ironside. How many shows are season? Ten. Something like that, yeah. Okay. So, and it was all Michael Ironside from the 80s. Who was, was in, in Scanners. He was in everybody. But he would be Lois Lane's father on Smallville. He was also uh, the, the real trainer in Top Gun. He was in Sunday. You know his voice. Yeah. But, anyways, he did the voice of Dark Side in the Justice League cartoon. So, he's. he's had a really weird scar on his face, too. Yeah. Well, he was in the in 88, second season. He, uh, he still had a little bit of hair. Yeah. And the episode opens with him, like, looking all panicky and, like, sweaty. sweaty and then yeah. you see he's standing over a body and Robert Vaughn. Oh, dead, okay. Laying on the floor. 
<clears throat> and it was about him having killed Robert Vaughn. Some kind of the Robert Vaughn was, hang, was, was cheating on or with his wife, and then he starts like looking around and thinking like as a fingerprints. So they did this really cool visual where they showed the fingerprints, like they just powdered fingerprints, but they're all over. And yeah. then he's flashing back to scenes before he killed him, where Robert Vaughn's going, "Here, look at this face. Here, look at this." Handing him stuff, so he's got his fingerprints all over. Basically, yeah, yeah. like Robert Vaughn had goaded him into killing him. And then you, you know, the, he goes nuts basically within the space of 24 hours. Why did he's Robert his, Vaughn want to? He's help? in his up, upstairs room when the police come in and take the body out. The cop goes up and there's he's in there and he's like all sweaty. He goes and he's rubbing. Like wiping glasses, he goes, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. And then as they take him away, the the medical examiner guy who is, says, I was his doctor, he said, it's crazy, why did he kill him? This guy had like a week to live, he was dying of cancer. Oh, okay. So it was like Robert Vaughn had basically goaded him into Go. committing murder, so he <laughs> took him down. But they're, So they're all very, like half hour episodes, yeah, but yeah. they're... They're varying quality, and they're all adapted by Ray Bradbury from his own short stories. So some of them, like that one, uh, I remembered that one from one of the collections that, that I had on Audible. Um, but it's basically like a, it's almost, it, it's similar to a Crime and Punishment or yeah. uh, uh, the Poe thing. With it was the, always ironic like twist. Like the Allan Poe yeah, with, yeah, the, yeah. with the Telltale Heart. Right, yeah. So it's basically someone's guilt make, making them nuts. Well, the story I had you tell you the other day is all these things that happened to me in the woods when I walked the dog. I started saying, well, what if I put them all together? Mitch Halleck Theater. Mitch Halleck Theater, because it's the guy, the falconer guy, the old lady collecting the mushrooms, the girl walking by with the, the bird on her head. And then we, we were, you know how the weather's been getting like Wait, storms? that wasn't Johnny Depp from no, the, no, no. the Lone Ranger? Oh, that's true. Yeah, for there was a, the weather's been getting crazy lately. Like it was overcast, and suddenly there was a thunderstorm, and it was really dark. If you ever go in the thick woods. Oh, no, no, it's like at nighttime. It's like nighttime. Yeah, yeah that's how quick it goes. I mean, because you can't see the sun coming through because there's overcast. So I was with the dog just the other day when I was texting you, and everything just got black. And I was like, there's no light coming through, and it's like, shit, it's right. like nighttime in here. And I was like, what if? All these stories that I've been saying to people I meet are all... Then I start saying, well, what would be the unifying story? And it opened up... I don't think I want to tell the story on the podcast because somebody could write it down and go, I just told the story. But it was Sharon saying, oh, why don't you go out and get some fresh air? The thing was called Fresh Air. That's the story. And I go, okay, because we're all under quarantine and we're stuck at home and nothing to do. Just like real life. So I take the and dog And she out. wants a break. No, and when she wants a break, she goes, go out and take the dog for a walk. So I'm in the woods, and the first guy I see is the guy who looked like Jim Starlin, right. but he had a falcon on his arm. Then I met this old woman last week who was collecting wild mushrooms, because I kept seeing her like in the distance, like, what is she doing? And she was by the water's edge, and finally we caught up to her, and I said, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I collect, I used to come here all the time with my husband since 1964. I would collect wild mushrooms. There's five types of poisonous mushrooms in the state of Connecticut. There's this many edibles. And she goes, here, you'll be real smart at parties. Uh, certain mushrooms are PTD or something that means like something you could eat and she was telling me all the history of mushrooms I'm like well that's weird and how because it hadn't rained that the mushrooms can't grow because they're under the ground and they right. need moisture and she's on and on and on I said okay she goes but I haven't found any good mushrooms lately I said alright and there's only one way in and out of that park 
So I was walking with the dog and I found a pile of mushrooms in the trees. So I, I broke them off and I left them out front because I figured I'm going to be ahead of her. She can get them. They were still there the next day. They were all rotted and deformed. So I'm like, wait, she never saw these? I left them right by the parking lot. She couldn't have missed them. She was a ghost. She was a ghost. She was never there. And then one day I was in the woods and this girl oh, she comes died by. from eating one of the mushrooms. Then this girl walks by me and as she's coming towards it, it's like a homing pigeon, like a morning dove on her head. And I'm sitting there and I go, please be real, please be real. And she walks by, I go, can I just ask you something? What, are you real? She goes, what do you mean? I go, because I see some stuff sometimes and I just want to make sure that there's really a, a girl walking by me. I'm off my meds. With that bird on <laughs> And she goes, yes. I had this old guy tell me he was going to commit suicide. And he was like signing a DNR thing. And it's weird because, I, and I said, now the story is, all this is happening during quarantine, and the, the sick, twisted ending would be, you hear uh, the lightning going and uh, like a siren sound, <laughs> and then it flashes and fast forward. It turns out to be I've been in a COVID coma the entire time. Sharon's by my side, and they're saying, oh, and I'm on We're a respirator, <laughs> on a respirator, and they're like, oh, he just has to breathe on his own, and that's why it was called fresh air. And all those people I met were the people that were dying along the way. And the, the, the guy with the bird on his head, the old lady like with the, the mushrooms. Of, uh, yeah, it was a Twilight Zone. when they no, were, I was thinking of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, they were Look all... Uncle Charlie. Oh, you were there too, and you were there. And it was all... And that was the story. So I said, I could make it evil and make me just die in the story. Or the fresh air would be, I woke up out of the coma and I caught a fresh air and I actually <laughs> survived the COVID. But that was my Twilight Zone. All these stories that I've been seeing with the dog are, are incidences are real things. And you're like, go ahead, draw it. I'm like, oh, okay. Because well, I even know the, the I know the angle, how yeah. it looks, and very cinematic. I was like, no, this I know. Like, the problem is ideas are just ideas. I know, until you actually I have, know. Tony always says I write post-it notes. Uh-huh. Come up with idea, write a post-it notes. I have like about 80 post-it notes stuck to my lamp. Mm-hmm. And I look at them, and some of them make sense still. Some of them don't. <laughs> and you go, hey. They're oh. still just ideas. I'm sorry, No, I wake up from dreams like that. Like, oh, this is going to be a great story. And I go, what trying to drown your phone mm-hmm. and race it all. Race it all. What do you call it? Uh, well, then there's, I got to go to the second chance squad. That was all this. One day I was talking to you. You're like, enough. I got to go running. I'm walking in the woods. Go, and then this could happen. And then this could happen. And wait, I got another idea. This we've done that before. And I've, I wrote, I've got flooded a, it. I have a file on my desktop of but, a yeah, bunch Yeah, but somebody's of actually got to draw it all out and write the dialogue. I'm like, this is a great story if we ever get to it. Well, I was coming home from a, whatever, a shopping trip or something. And... Rachel, my daughter, and I, we started talking. I said, Oh, I just, and it just appeared. And I could picture the whole sequence. It's basically a 10 page sequence with one of these characters. Yeah. The mailman guy, the striker guy made me laugh the other day. But I was, I pictured it and I said, Okay, write some of this down and just send me a text. You know, like copy it. And it was actually good, but it was like, if I was working on a monthly comic, that's how you you just something like that would just appear, and you go oh, type it down as quick as you could because it's gone. Otherwise, oh yeah, I believe it. You know, I, mean, I wonder about like, that. I mean, you can have a dream sometime, and you go, oh my god, that's a great story idea, and you write it down, and the next day you look at it, and it's like, what the hell? That Gibberish. makes no sense. But with um, creative ideas, sometimes they arrive. They need someplace to be plugged in, right? Like so a like. Well, like if you're doing a regular comic, like a monthly book, you always need material 
Right. And a lot of times you could plug that in as a subplot, like some idea, and it's like, wow, that's really good. That'll be a Jimmy Olsen idea, or that'll be a Lewis Lane storyline. Yeah, whatever. but you're not working on that story at the moment, so we just file that away, like, oh, well, eventually I'll write this out. I used to do that all the time. I had stuff, I still have a file folder full of ideas for Lex sure. Luthor subplots. For, really? Yeah, I mean, you know, because it'd be a really good idea, but you wouldn't be able to use it at a specific time because it didn't fit into whatever else was happening. But that's the, that's the curse if you don't have an outlet for it. It's a curse because they just pile up and then they, they're just ideas. But it's a blessing if you're working on a monthly comic because stuff does just come, kind of pop Take up. Take your tower. Thank you. You're just, welcome. Do you want another beer? I will in a second, but no. No, so that's how they would always do it because I always wondered about that. Like, if you're writing a monthly book, you got to go to the well every month and come up with a new story or right. just cattle, or you just... Backpile no, no. them, stockpile them. Well, you'd stockpile specific things, and what happens is, like, if you say, I had my file of Lex Luthor ideas, mm-hmm. one of them I had found clipped out of a newspaper. It was big company was using homeless guys to clean up hazardous waste. Right. And it's like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. Lex Luthor it's would do really that. brilliant yeah. and yeah. evil. Yeah. But that's something that you could picture Lex Corp doing. You know, it's like, hey, uh, some, you know, crazy enzymes just spilled in the lab, right. you know, oh, let's get that guy over there, he's not doing it. That's the, the origin of the parasite anyways, right? Yeah, 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 yeah that's parasite. right. The janitor went in there and cleaned it all up. Same but, thing with the leader. But when you read that stuff problem. in the newspaper, you go, oh, because we were trying to reflect a little bit more, even though science fiction yeah. for the superhero trying stuff, to be we're trying to make it somehow more grounded. Yeah. So uh, that idea could start something. But it also required that to have, like, to be able to be slotted in there. So sometimes you'd have that idea, you'd start with it, oh, I'm going to finally use mm-hmm. this idea, and then you start typing your plot. Was that all the Iraq stuff. war? I always wondered that. Was that always supposed to be Iraq? Was that supposed to be Saddam Hussein? Yeah. It was always intended for that. That was Marv. Mars. Yeah. Yeah, because I think he created that. That was in the 80s. Yeah. It was and that it crazy was crazy, guy. but it was General Marlowe. Yes. Which made yeah. no sense. But, right, right. But it was General Marlowe. No, but why was he trying to do that? Was it because it was supposed to be... Who was the guy from Libya? It was Gaddafi. But it was Gaddafi. Was, yeah, that's who it was. Gaddafi. When I grew up in, in Superman, I definitely did Gaddafi. Or yeah. Gaddafi or Saddam Hussein. I thought he looked like a fat Saddam Hussein. Yeah. I mean, it was him trying to be somehow relevant to the time. No, I used to see it and go, oh, I guess that's what that's supposed to be. I don't know how other people work as far as stories, but I just always felt like, like sometimes I would start out with a main idea of a plot. Yeah. And I would start typing. And then once you get into the rhythm of it, yeah, you're working on it, you get past page four, five, six, seven, and then you hit this middle section and suddenly like an idea will open up and you go, oh, wow, that's really good. And it's not where I was planning on going. Ooh. And you just go with it, and you get to the end, and you think, "Wow, where'd that come from?" That's how it. That's that was the cool part. Some, because a lot of times you do rack your brain. Right? It's not like you can just sit down and type. It. No. Um, but that would also happen where I would be doing that, and suddenly it have like, "Uh oh, this is like really varying from what Carlin was expecting." Like when we're on Superman, especially because no, there was other books had to follow it. Sometimes, like if Jurgens's book came out after mm-hmm. mine but Dan was like ahead of me, then I would have to make sure it dovetailed into whatever he was starting. No, but here's so the thing. So I would call up Carl and I would say, hey, can we do 
this instead of that, yeah. and then he would call Jurgens or he'd call somebody and say, hey, is this something you could change? Yeah, yeah. And that's how the, the engagement happened, was the engagement for all the time we planned it, she was going to say no. Oh, really? Yeah. And then as I was typing the plot, I was like typing it around, I was going, it just overwhelmed me. I called him up, I said, you know what, I think she says yes. Yeah. And he goes, huh, Yeah. let me call Roger, because yeah. Roger had the book right after Roger Stern. Yeah. And he called Roger and he said, Ordway wants to have her say yes. And Roger's like, okay. Well, then my issue, his issue totally changed. Because yeah, the yeah, issue yeah. became about him. He's got to reveal his Superman. Because yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, going to start yeah, this yeah. on a lie. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, but none of that was planned. That all just happened with no, me going, wait, it felt more honest for her to say yes. You know? No, but I was thinking that the other day because when I was sending you that story, I knew how it was going to end, but it was so predictable because it's sometimes you just base it on stuff that you know. Like, I'm like, wait, I know how the story ends because I've seen it a million times. I'm just dressing it up as a different story. That's the thing I would go home. I said, you know what? If I asked my wife how something should end, she would come up with something out of left field that I never thought of. And that's what I was wondering when you guys would do stories. Like, you all know, oh, Superman's going to do this. There's the bad guy. He's got to stop the bomb from blowing up. It's very predictable. But there would always be, like, sometimes you get a story that you didn't see coming. And you're like, oh, my God, that changes the whole storyline. But you have to be open to it. Yeah, but I'm saying you don't really see that with one writer, because I always wonder that. Like, even in movies, too, you know? You never never see it coming. Do you guys want another anniversary? A bit. Okay, well, wait a minute. I'm just just trying to bring the keg over here. I want to hold the You might as well. (laughs) Are you trying to get us to go? Come on. Hook up the IV. Exactly. I was a little drip, like a little gerbil thing. No, so, but here's the thing. No, but I'm wondering that, that too. Was, you, no, but if like Bert, say Miller or Bert or one of you guys are doing the book the whole time. But there's, you, you, you know the steps, there's a thing you're going to do. Like I was talking about Howard Shaken with somebody. As much as I like Howard Shaken stuff, somebody pointed out to me, they go, dude, he has a set pattern to his stories. I'm like, right. what? They go, if you look at all his stories, they open the same, they do this, there's that, there's a flashback, blah, 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 blah. And I never thought of it. The guy goes, he's a very good writer, but he goes to certain tropes all the time. But can I say, interrupting there, yeah. that's the thing, and the same is true with Burn, is there's a certain point when the creator becomes bigger than the editor. Now, when Howard was working with Andy Helfer, I think Helfer would challenge oh, the him. the shadow? Yeah. Yeah. Andy would, would challenge him. That when an editor, nowadays it's just, it seems like maybe the editor off. has yeah. less to do. Yeah. I don't know if they're, that's true, but it feel, feels like they're not as involved in creative, or at least they weren't at DC. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like out of their hands because something above them would say, no, no, let the guy do what he wants to right. do. Right. When Byrne became Byrne, or Chaykin, there's a certain point where an editor, unless the editor is a some somehow comfortable or even a an age group or someone that he respects, yeah. you're not going to want to listen to like some 20 year old kid saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Well, what about, what about doing this?" Like it was Daniel, like, Daniel O'Neill said something like, "Well, Daniel's right. been around." Well, Mike Carlin story. also. Yeah. Carlin had a rapport, and if he said, "I mean, there's when Carlin was editing the Superman or the FF earlier yeah, than yeah. that." There were stories, like, there was one story that Byrne wanted to do that Carlin wouldn't let him do. And it's funny, because I also, with, with Mike, we had this joke, running joke, but I want to do a werewolf story, and it didn't quite work, work in Superman. Yeah, there's some and I werewolf stories. I even so did a funny. sketch yeah. for the cover. And it was, Superman and it was, was going to become a werewolf? No, no, he was Captain fighting America. Because oh, it was, was like, say, he was susceptible to the supernatural The man-wolf, yeah. 
So that never happened. But Burns' idea was a subway car that ate people. It was a subway car. It was basically like an alien entity yeah, 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 yeah. or a monster or something yeah. that just traveled the same subway line. Like Josh. And it would pull up to the station. Yeah. People would get in and, and they would, would eat just them. eat them. Oh, that's kind of funny. It was a cool idea, but Carlin wouldn't let him do it in the Fantastic Four. It was oh, just really? it didn't fit. Oh, see, that would have fit the Marvel story. But it didn't fit in the Fantastic Four, so it never happened. Maybe a Doctor Strange story. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could have been one of the monster books or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but that's... But the fact that Mike could say that and Byrne would go, okay, you could still oh. have your favorite idea, but if it was somebody who didn't have the same standing or maybe that the creator didn't respect because they didn't feel like, oh, this guy's got creative chops. Right. So I think that's the, the part, that's the the, un, the unsung aspect of a good editor is that a good editor, like, if you're Stephen King and you write a book that's yeah, runs 1,500 pages yeah. and the editor says, we got to cut this to 1,000. Yeah. Well, screw you, I'm Stephen King. So Stephen King respects the fact that people would cut his work. Right. Right? That's what you need. You need somebody who's Sounding not going to be board. intimidated yeah. by your status or your, yeah. you know. You don't need yes men. And that was, that was one of the Well, that's things. what happened with Lucas, too. George Lucas, when they did Star Wars, because yeah. he had his wife, Marsha. Yeah. And she would tell him, like, point blank, like, that didn't make sense. And this didn't, you know, where's this person? And they would go back. But then once he got divorced from her... He was surrounded by yes men, right. and that's what happened with the prequels. Right, it becomes kind of yeah. Everyone, George is a genius. George is great. No one's and anybody who ever said something the otherwise, he'd be like, "Excuse me, who's got a billion? I don't need your shit." And you're out right. the door. But it sucks because real, it suffers. Because but that's the, the reality. But that's also why I said like you needed so, that person to sit there and knock you down. So I would say, guarantee you, like the way things work now, like if you're working on if Jacob's doing a book for yeah. Image or something, yeah. it's his. his it's going to be his vision. Yeah. And an editor is basically going to be a guy who traffics. But it's kind of like sure what well, we hired him for around. that reason. Yeah, it's not a, it's not even a, something challenging you. Like, you have to be your own editor. Right. Um, not every idea you come up with is great. Yeah. And maybe not every idea. It could be a great no, idea, but, you, but it's not the right. Do you need to pull the rug? Topic. Do you need to pull the rug out from everyone's feet to make it a good story? Because I was telling you that story we were Some talking about. Some people are good at it, though. Like someone like I think. Walt, for example, Walt's yeah. doing his creative, his Ragnarok, Ragnarok, Ragnarok book. Yeah. Walt's got a, a vision of it. He knows enough, but he also probably has Wheezy as a sounding board. Yeah. And Wheezy was a great editor. You say that doesn't make sense. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like sometimes you can be self-indulgent and you lose the thread of whatever yeah. you're trying to tell yeah, because yeah. Oh, I really fell in love with this one No, sequence. but sometimes it's like, just do it for the things. I was telling you, I said this story. I said, wouldn't it be something if the Superman guy comes in at the end, but he turns out to be a bad guy and he joins up? I'm like, oh, no one saw that coming. But I'm like, do you just throw that in there as shock value? Or is there really a reason why to do that story? Or just like, oh, the reader didn't expect that. But if you're doing that, you have to set up the possibility of it. Because it's never Kirkman fair to a reader that on that Invincible book, where the, the, the hero turns out to be the villain on issue oh, yeah. 12. And I was watching him, he said he originally wanted to do that on issue 24. He wanted to go two years telling the story about right. this person that you think's the hero. And then at the last minute, you find out he's the villain. But they told him, the editor, Sylvester, I think it was. No, it wasn't Sylvester. Who's the other guy over there? Not Valentino. Oh, no, Valentino yeah, said, there. you're not going to go two years on this book because the sales aren't there. You better wrap this up. So he had to right. take a year's worth of stories and cut to the chase. And that, and then it took off, though. But he, if he was left to his own whatever wishes, he would have made it go two years, it said. But he said he had an editor or somebody right. tapping on his shoulder and said, no, no, no. You gotta truncate that thing and make it. But well, I mean, a better story. Here's an example. When I was doing Shazam, 
Yeah. Pete Krause yes. said he was done, I think it was issue 38, yeah. maybe, 39. He just was done. And it wasn't like any bad thing. He just felt like, tired. if I stay on this, it's going to get It's going to suffer. You're gambling because you're working on a long-term book. He was on it for like three and a half years, maybe. Yeah. Or three years plus a couple issues. Yeah, yeah. He was feeling like by the, being out of that and you're on a book that DC clearly didn't care a lot about. Support, like yeah. Mike Carlin loved it. Yeah. But around the company, they it, were was pushing. A, it was a little bit lighthearted. They didn't really have any respect for that. Yeah. It wasn't dark. Really. It wasn't dark in an age where everything had to be guns and whatever. Yeah. Depression. So he was hoping that if he left, he would have more opportunities than if it was canceled out from under him, which makes sense. Right. So when Pete said he's going to go, DC goes, okay, let's end the book. And I'm like, I don't want to do the other projects DC's got planned for me. I'd rather do Shazam. And yeah. if I could, if I, so I said, I didn't really want to draw it right. and write it. But I said, look, how about if I write and draw it? Yeah. So they said, okay, we'll give it another year. So I got a 12-issue extension, right, from 36 like they were already on. <clears throat> I mean, Pete had done a couple past his continuity contract, so I started with I think forty. I want to say forty. Dark in an age where everything had to be guns and whatever. Depression. So he was hoping that if he left, he would have more opportunities than if it was canceled out from under him, which makes sense. Right. So when Pete said he's going to go, DC goes, "Okay, let's end the book." And I'm like, I don't want to do the other projects DC's got plan for me, I'd rather do Shazam, and yeah. if I could, if I, so I said, I didn't really want to draw it, right, and write it, but I said, look, how about if I write and draw it, yeah. so they said, okay, we'll give it another year, so I got a 12-issue extension, right, from 36, 40, like, they were already on, <clears throat> I mean, Pete had done a couple past his continuity contract, so I started with, I think, 40, I want to say 40, maybe it was 40, probably 40, right, and... So you knew it's going to come to an end. No, I was thinking that I was able to save the book, or oh, that okay. I could maybe continue to get it, keep it was going. Was it a sales thing? That's all it was. Well, it was. Here's the thing: there's a point of diminishing returns with anything. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's selling better than forty percent of the other stuff. Right. But if we do a new book, maybe it'll sell twice as much. It's a stupid thing, right? But really, they rather thinking. set it old reliable. They would throw that out the window and get yeah. New I mean, and it fresh. was. It was selling in the mid-level of books that you would... Nowadays, you'd go, what? I don't remember that book. Yeah. So there was a lot of books that were selling better than most of those that continued on. And it was doing pretty well. And then, so I do. The, I agree to draw it and write it. And I planned out the story. And it's like, okay, we'll address the fact that people are saying it's too lighthearted, whatever. And try to throw some real stuff. And yeah, my idea for this was yeah. a 12-issue story. I definitely planned it out with Carlin. Yeah, it yeah. was going to run 12 issues, and it would culminate in like first, you know, Billy, Freddie Freeman's the first one to hit uh, legal driving age. And so Freddie gets a car, gets a license, and they get into a horrible car crash because of some, you know, like stalker villain girl, yeah, yeah, Lightning, yeah. caused this big crash. Billy's in a coma. Uh, Freddie and Mary are, you know, they're okay, yeah. but Billy's in a coma, so right. he's not Captain Marvel, so right. they have to pick up the slack. The minute we got into that story, it's like, oh, Grant Morrison wants to use Captain Marvel as part of the One Million, DC One Million. I'm like, well, the storyline is already approved and everything. How do you get out of that 
in a short time, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, well, the first couple issues that you did, that you started, you know, they're not the sales weren't weren't that much better. That the DC wants to pull the plug. Oh, soon can you wrap up the story? Now I got Billy in coma, and yeah. I was doing. I thought it was fun stuff. Like there's a, sequ- a sequence where he's basically you're in his head, he's dreaming, yeah. and and he's dealing with a crocodile, and a crocodile from the Nile, and it's all this Black Adam. That's where all the the roots of the Black Adam that Jeff Johns used, where he yeah. becomes kind of like a diplomatic immunity. He's the ruler of Can- Kandak or whatever yeah, his yeah, thing was. Planet, yeah. But it was like that he basically redeems himself in that storyline, and Billy has to just live with the fact that. The world accepts that Black Adam was not responsible right. for Billy's parents' death. Right. You know what I mean? So, anyways, we have to wrap it up, and they said wrap it up in, okay. in four issues. Yeah. And I'm like, he's in a coma. I had this whole thing planned. Doesn't matter. I said, can you give give me to issue fifty? No. So I had this thing, and again, it was plotted out in outline form through about issue. It was going from forty to forty-two is mm-hmm. my contract. So up through 42, and he wasn't supposed to reappear, but he was going to come back with a whole new perspective because yeah. he'd had all these, you know, mental adventures and yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> had to wrap it up. And then we had to do a tie-in with One Million, which was a separate issue, had nothing to do, it was set a million years in the future. Yeah, I, I found that when I was doing my sorting all this with stuff. the big white beard. So you I was basically, like, what is this? You're, you know, you're forced yeah, to compromise. To change your story. And you, you truncate it, and you don't you just don't feel it. Right. I mean, so I tr- I did my best, but it was like everything it's not against what it you. Been. Yeah. Yeah. And I always feel bad because if they had, if I knew when I started that, and they said, okay, we're we're gonna cut it. Like if I found out at issue forty when I was doing that one, they said we're gonna we want you to wrap it up by issue forty seven. Right, right, right. You would have definitely done. I would have things. said, okay, maybe I don't do this. Maybe I, right. you know. But you don't really have a choice. Sometimes. Well, that's what I'm saying. So and the, people can get the creator just like stuff. a TV or a movie or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like you're saying with Kirkman, sales don't warrant maybe that this book is going to last for three years. Right. So you got to. So you have to wrap it, it up. up. Yeah. Sometimes that works if you're it's your own book. But right. If you're I was like, going to say, is that the difference between creator own stuff? And yeah, because you're under like I'm an employee of DC in right. essence. That's and good. I have to make Captain America, Captain Marvel available for right. whatever crossover yes. that they're going to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to make these other elements work. Yeah. Um, I, at the end of it, we gave them a character that uh, was in the annual, was a future Captain Marvel, the female, and her name was Cece Beck. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was Cece. Yeah, yeah. She was a young girl. Yeah, yeah. And we wound up, I coordinated with the editor of the Legion of Superheroes. I said, hey, you guys should add her into Legion of Superheroes. That'd be really cool to have a Captain Marvel yeah, entity yeah, 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 in the future world, world yeah, right? right? And so she was in those uh, probably maybe two years worth of With books. The Legionnaires? No, I remember Legion of Superheroes. It was, I yeah. forget who was writing it then, but... Was um, it Keith Giffen? They had Alan Davis covers, so she yeah. actually appeared on a bunch of covers. But it was just... So that, that spun out of that last year's worth, but a lot of that stuff was truncated, and you lose the... Whatever your burning desire, because you're thinking that you're going to create a character and give more interest, and suddenly they're going to happen. Was that why building. a lot of these guys would take these these dead characters and have a, such a good run? Like Daredevil yeah, you was could, a crap character. Right. I remember that was like because, nobody cared about Daredevil, and suddenly it became a bestseller because nobody was bothering Frank Miller. They just let him do what he wanted. But the same thing. Nobody happened. was reading. And X Men too. Right. X Men was like a loser book. 
and then you got Cockrum and the Claremont start taking it, and then Bird comes on, and the sales start going up. I mean, no one saw that coming because that was a bi-monthly book. That was and a reprint book. They did let, let Claremont Len, run the show. And let Ween before him. But Claremont, once he, he was the flavor, they let Chris run that show yeah. for many years before yeah. they started milking it. Yeah. Because that didn't happen until after New Line. That's what I'm saying, but it's a lot of this, the, the real books that everyone remembers being so great. Yeah. Like The Punisher. Punisher was like a, when, a throwaway character. When and then, Walt took over Thor, Thor was, Thor was another point. one too. Yeah. You know, so that's the, the curse. It, but did they want to do those books because they knew they could do whatever they wanted They wanted to, to do them probably because they loved they, those characters. Oh, okay. But it, the reality, like working on Superman. Because even for, Captain America was crap too. All the years that we were working on Super, Superman. Yeah. Up until the death of Superman suddenly was Sales a big thing. Yeah. And then suddenly everybody wanted to do Superman. But yeah. for all those years, it was hard to keep people like on Superman. Yeah. In other words, you always had more opportunities. I could have done the Avengers. I could have yeah, done yeah, yeah, yeah. tons of stuff for Marvel during that time. They were always asking me to do stuff. But I stuck with it because I felt like they were behind me. Yeah. You know? But that that's what I'm saying, though. You, you could be no, doing something. I see something. things like Animal Man, another joke. That became a no, Doom those, Patrol, the fan, another right? One. Because those rent rent went under the radar. The biggest thing that derails a book, at least especially Is in the old days, was the crossovers or oh, somebody yeah, multi-year. borrowing a character. Yeah. Um, like the fact that Lobo suddenly became like a big yeah, yeah, thing. It was a joke in Omega Man. Yeah. It became Lobo had Too to guest star in every book. Yeah, like Wolverine. they just basically yeah. burned through it, just like they, they were Wolverine or Punisher. Punisher. Yeah. They have this spike, and then, you know, there's no one... Now it's Harley Quinn. She's, yeah. like, in every book. And there's no one to say, don't use them. No, because they know if they throw her undercover, it's going to sell some books. The problem is, it dilutes the franchise, yeah. if you want to think of it as a franchise. It dilutes it oh, by having did. it... Remember, I told you when I started my books, I can't believe how many Spider-Man books I had from the 90s, because he was in, like, five books a month. Yeah. It was insane. And then it was Batman. twice a month... Oh, then there was twice the one a month. Book, yeah. And then there was another book that was twice a month. And then so Batman's yeah. the same way. I mean, they throw Batman out there like it's somebody's business. Was that always a popular book, though? Because he was big in the 80s. He was big in the 90s. I don't think there's ever been a period. 70s, it was Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill. And then after that, it went to who? Mike Barr? Um, Doug Mensch did it Doug for Mench a long time. Did it, yeah. Um, no, they rejuvenated Batman, but Batman always had a certain sales level. Yeah. That Superman didn't. No. And it also sold in comic stores where Superman didn't. And Justice League, I remember that was a dead book, and then it came back when Dematius and Giffen took it over as a hot thing. And then they started ruining that. They did Justice League Europe, Justice League International, Justice League... But and you then forget. They, and they started Grant Morrison got it serious with Howard Porter. Right, and that was where they brought the big gun characters back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, when Jurgens took over Justice League... When did he do Justice dead. League? During the death of Superman. I don't even remember that. Really? All I remember is that all those collections one. have that that his Justice League in those collections because it was that whole storyline. That's the only reason there's a any kind of other DC universe crossover into that story. What year is this? The nineties? When the Death of Superman came out. Yeah, early nineties. Ninety two? That's when Justice League got serious again? Because it was a joke book for years, from right. like eighty six to ran seven Justice to, League International yeah, and, and Justice then, League Europe. There was a point where the book ran its course. Right. That was the joke book. Yeah. Bart Sears was doing the art, and it was like, ugh. I mean, I think Justice League International was still running as a book, but Justice League, as the title itself, was kind of at sales a drop. Dan took it over as writer and artist, and he used all, like, non... He had uh, Guy Gardner, 
the Bloodwind, who was actually turned out to be Martian Manhunter. Yeah, yeah. He had like you know, basically the Do nerd talk, the kind of loser like squad, it. the loser squad of Justice yeah, League. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, the not to be confused with Gypsy and the ones from the early eighties. Right, but was it was kind of similar. The Detroit one. It was like taking the non-big gun characters, so it was kind of similar in that way. But he only did it for maybe. I guess five, six issues. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I was gonna say I don't remember any of that. No, but I remember grabbing it again when Morrison took it over, and then I started getting tired of that quickly. I never liked. It didn't hold me to like issue six. I was like done with it. I was like, yeah, we're done. Seven maybe. I like Grant on the weird characters. Now with Grant? Never, no, no, Grant Morrison. Oh, I Grant never, Morrison. I'm not a huge fan of Grant Superman with Justice League. I like Squirrel Kill Crew at Marvel. Remember that? Something. It was like the Squirrels had, starting with those Squirrels that the Fantastic Four turned into cows. Yeah, the three, the three of them. Yeah, yeah. The people started eating those cows, and they started getting like a squirrel disease, yeah, yeah, yeah. a cow disease. Yeah, yeah. That was the kind. And then these guys had to go out and kill all the. Oh, I don't mutations. remember. I don't remember that. But he did. Doom Patrol was brilliant. Animal yeah. Man is brilliant. Yeah. He's good with that stuff, and I, I won't argue that the Justice League or Superman wasn't good in its own way. It just wasn't my thing. Right. But I think when you're working on a character that nobody's looking at, it's easier to make a splash. Like Aquaman. Speaking it's of easier, splash. Right. It's easier to get attention because people have, in their minds, the bar is really low. That doesn't reflect on the creator. No, I'm thinking Peter David had a good elevated. run with Supergirl. He had a good run with... Aquaman, he would go like in these books, and you're like, Really? That book's good again? You know? That's why when they were, remember they made the joke movie about it in Entourage, they were going to make the Aquaman movie? Right, right. It was a joke because it was a stupid character, and now it's a big deal. You're like, Really? Aquaman? Come on. I regret one of those little regrets. You were going to get the Aquaman I was gonna, book? No, I was going to do Supergirl when they were launching Supergirl. Now, was it the alien Supergirl, the one that landed yeah, it in? it starts out with the yeah. Matrix. Mom Parker, the Matrix, Matrix, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, really? You were going to do that? I still can't believe you were going to do Batman. That always gets me. I'm like, wow, that would have been an interesting story. Jerry Ordway does Batman. I always liked the... I liked Daredevil. Yeah, Rogue's my favorite. was fantastic. But you know, there's other books that never did well that I was like, you never see a Night Force book come back. I used to read them. Marvel, Benjamin Colon. Nobody's really been able to unlock Metamorpho since the 50s no, or 60s. No, no. And Metamorpho's a weird, a weird, cool, weird book. It looks... But he's a goofy plastic man. That's the way I always looked at it. Well, but he's got... You know what they did? What? When they did the cartoon stuff, they would unlock the concept. And it was like, why couldn't they do this in a comic? Wait, there was a Metamorpho cartoon? When Metamorpho would show up in uh, oh, the Justice League or one of those. No, yeah. the, the more serious, the Bruce Tim era. They would oh, those. Back. I thought you meant back in the 60s. No, they would look at the original stuff clearly, and someone would go, okay, this is about this guy I who, think... like the daughter, or the, the, the father turns him into a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you strip it back, and you go, here's the concept. There's no 20 years of continuity or 30 years. He was in the Doom Patrol, wasn't he? Wasn't the character in there, the Cupperberg ones? I don't know. Maybe. I could have swore he was in it. Or maybe he was in that weird there's Justice League. There's a lot of League. characters that they've tried, and they just haven't been successful. You know which one never really worked well was the Atom. I love that Sword of the Atom book. Was the it Jan Kane or the Gil Kane one? He did the yeah. artwork. Wasn't it Jan Strand did the art, did, wrote it? 
We I killed love plotters. That. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah, he worked with guys that would work with his plots. Oh, I didn't know Gil Kane did. I knew he did the artwork, but yeah, I didn't no, know he, he was, was a star. He, he wrote. I thought that was fantastic. Wrote, the first four issue series, yeah. The Sword of the Atom, but then they brought it back. It wasn't that good. But that's a character, like, I always thought was a cool idea. Like, when he was ever in the Justice League, you see him sitting on the right. shoulder, and he'd come through the phone wire. That was that famous bit, the telephone cord. But they didn't know what to do with him. But once he said, oh, why don't I make him part of another right. kingdom with right. his people that live like the Lilliputians, that was right. a great idea. Same thing with Ant-Man, too. Ant-Man's a joke character, like Robert yeah. Kirkman was working on that book he was telling about. And then Tim Seeley was on it, too. But you're like, you could do so much more with this, but I guess you'd have to go into like the Micronauts or make him be like a leader in another dimension or something. I mean, the, you know, the, movies, know never the movies kind of unlocked Spectre. the character, though. Spectre, I read Spectre. I couldn't believe how much Spectre comics I had when I was starting my books. I had the Tom Mandrake, the Ostrander ones. Ostrander, that was oh, a yeah. good run. Oh, and then there was Brayfogle. Yeah. I think it was Brayfogle did one, or Doug Mensch. Somebody else did in the 80s. He was such a good character, but again, it's either they make him too powerful, and they don't know what to do with him. He's better off as this creepy... Twilight Zone, Phantom Stranger type of thing that but shows he's up. Inherently, this super powerful character. But that's the he's one. He's like that, a universal. Was force, those, those Neil Adams since. ones in the '60s when he'd come as the Vengeance, yeah. of, Spirit of Vengeance, and he turn into a giant pair of scissors and cut a guy. That in was him. that was Jim Apero and Michael Fleischer. Oh, writing. those were cool. And those, I like those. Well, and those came up. That whole run came about because Joe Orlando was the editor. Yeah. And Joe had been mugged, mugged in New York City. Really? And he was angry about it, and he said, hey, you know, he just got it in his head, I guess, and got Michael Fleischer was a, one of those guys who did, like, kind of, like, off-the-wall yeah. kind of crazy stuff, and that's what he, that's where that that's came from. Why the, like, yeah, make a vengeance character. That's why the Spectre became like that? The spirit of vengeance? Like, the ghostwriter kind of thing. But he was, like, taking down people all the time. It was a great run. That was a great run. Oh, yeah, run yeah, no, they were supposed the to... the ribbons. Yeah, the, yeah, that was supposed to come out in an omnibus, but they delayed it because of the COVID nonsense. I think it's coming out in the fall, but I already had pre-ordered that one. I was like, oh, I know they did a smaller trade of it years ago. Yeah, but this was supposed to be like all the the 60s and 70s. I don't care much about the 40s and 50s Spectre, because that was just like goofball ghost in the background. But that's the character who wasn't the universal force. They made him that universal big big character in Crisis. They made him like an elemental force in Crisis. No, he's supposed to be like an angel of God or something like that. I mean, when I was doing the JSA stuff after... When Jeff Johns was ending his run, we 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 closed the place once again. Hey, I got I'm a ready, question for are you. you. Ready for yeah. beer? Is the hard liquor not on? No. Beers are perfect. And you would have thrown us out. You would have come by like, excuse me, come on, guys. Actually, I honestly, I would have thrown everyone else out because you guys are my favorites. So, yeah. Well, is that? No, but go back it's to, to be somebody's favorite. I know. No, but Spectre is a good character, but why hasn't anybody ever run with that? Because i got to say, but see, Aust- that book I ran for 50-something issues, 70. He did a great job on yeah. it, because I was like, I couldn't believe how many issues I had of that. I was like up to 70 or 80. Here's the but thing. they let that go. No, and you can't tell me that sold better than Shazam. No. I think that the difference is... He was off in his corner and no one bothered him? I no, mean, I always, I still think this is true, and this is just me reading into it. Political shit? But when I started on the book, when I first even started doing the graphic novel, yes. it's, Shazam is like the adopted Bastard child. child. Yes, yeah. Right? Yes, yeah, red-headed so stepchild. They adopted him after he was no longer a big deal. The faucet deal. thing, yeah. So if they adopted him in 1950 when he was selling a million copies... 
he would have better standing. But he never sold a million copies. So there's a, for there's DC. a stigma about him. There's not. They don't. They in the in the seventies they were licensing him from Fawcett, what still existed. So they didn't have a tremendous interest in keeping him in publication because they had to pay for every appearance, mm -hmm. and somebody else owned him. Right. By the time they bought him, he's damaged goods. And I don't mean this that. It, there's a psychological thing like DC it's still started, the same character but DC DC published Wonder Woman from 1940 yes whatever DC changed and merged and stuff but all those other characters Green Lantern are part of, Flash all that's that. all part of DC's legacy yeah Shazam is part of Fawcett's legacy and Fawcett and DC had a big lawsuit so that's part of his and legacy and did they used to have to pay a, a money to the family they every time paid, they used a story with there them? was still a Fawcett publication right. they paid them money every time they used them they had to pay an appearance fee whether he was in one page one panel or a whole issue the same it, fee the same yeah, rate yeah it was like yeah, a licensing fee to Fawcett so the weird part is Shazam sold a ton of t-shirts and a ton of merchandise in the 70s yeah, because he's them. been my mom DC and dad is Shazam them. they licensed that through their licensing corporation so it was a big money maker in the 70s but as a comic it doesn't have the legacy connection that that even Green Lantern I was surprised Aquaman that has. that placemat I found you with yeah. the, the Pepsi but that was when they were they were licensing it from in the late 70s yeah right. he was on the, a placemat for Pepsi Cola I'm like why would Shazam but here's and then the reality of, of were they really trying to push that again what was that a failed attempt when they did Shazam was that like hardcore, keep telling everybody, it's not Captain Marvel, it's Shazam, Shazam, Shazam. The, the cartoon show, oh, no. the live action well, show. Because they don't own, they don't no, own the but were they, were they trying to force it down, people like reignite it? Like this was a, because in the 70s, it was only, what, 20 years earlier, he was the yeah. hugest comic going. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, why can't we capture lightning in a bottle? Yeah. No, well, was the, there, do you think there was an attempt? The, thing, like, the weird thing is that when they relaunched it in 1970, yeah. Two or three, I right. had those, and, but it didn't do well. It sold them. It sold. It was the highest-selling newsstand comic for years. Bullshit. The first issue. My dad bought me that because he was, was like, "Oh my God, Shazam's back!" And he brought it to me, and I remember right. so my DC, mom knew Mary Marvel. So we were all excited. That was like a downside because when that came out and that first issue sold like close to a million copies, it did. It was crazy. Really? On the newsstand, and it was. That's probably maybe why there's so many of them the in the beginning of that speculator market. Yeah, because okay, I would so go to stores and you see guys with 30 copies of it. It had tremendous sell through. So, in other words, whatever copies what were happened, out, though? there the were nuts stuff sent. No, it was the speculator thing. People said, oh, 20 years since Shazam or yeah, Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. You know, this is going to be a hot book to buy, so people snapped up copies. Yeah, but it's which ultimately makes it worthless in a yeah, way because, because it's there's supply and demand. Right, there's so not going to be any value to it. But so the stories were bad, though. I mean, he was fighting giant carrots and shit. That was later. Denny O'Neill was part of that. Denny wrote. I guess you're first, 17 or 18. No, but Denny wrote the first batch, and it's actually a decent story. It is if you read the first four issues. It's all I about have them up to like issue twelve when he meets talking Tawny, and once, then I stop. No. As a kid, once they started cutting, and I, I don't, they they did the talking vegetables. They yeah, did, I remember. Those were stupid. Yes, and that's what CC Beck wanted to quit. Oh, he, he was a fan of that stuff. No, oh. he was like, "This is stupid." I just I remember getting as a kid going, "This is dumb." I don't no, they this. blew their chains basically. Yeah. So the first ones, it, the first issue sold so well that it gave DC. They thought, "Holy shit, this is a big deal." And then it was like, oh no, people didn't buy issue two, three, four, five, whatever. Yeah. 
it clearly still sold, sold well enough for them to continue. And then they did the it. Superman, the Shazam family. Yeah. I would get those. The problem again, it's 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 never sold that big number. It's never been a viable character for DC. You know what I'm saying? Even with the movie, if, it did. I mean, if it had been like a, anything else, if it had been Aquaman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, those books sold terribly in the 70s. Yeah. I mean, Wonder Woman maybe got a bump from the TV show, but generally those were not. Mm-hmm. Green Lantern, another one, it canceled. Flash, canceled, brought back. You know, it didn't have that same legacy. Right. So, so my feeling when I was doing the book, and I said this in interviews before, yeah, yeah. when I was doing it, if DC had said, you know, we think it's time for new people to do it, it would have been different. They would have, I would have stepped back, and they would have had somebody else continue it. That's what they should have done. They shouldn't have like thrown in the towel and said, "Okay, we're done." But why would they do that? Because they don't have any. But do you don't think there was any way they could have salvaged that character, and made it a best-selling book? They probably could have. No, I'm saying else. even now, it's but been twenty-some years they, since they you they did. Didn't it. Have the, I don't think they. They don't have. They didn't have the desire to do it. No, but even Jeff Johns like took it over. And thin, and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Wonder Woman was published maybe by agreement that they had to publish it. Wonder Woman sold poorly for a lot of periods. They kept time. it on. They yeah. kept it going. Um, Shazam was not selling poorly until DC, really until DC prematurely announced the cancellation. It was like stupid. I was at a, I told you. Oh, they announced it was canceled before you were even done. Like, oh, issue 48 is the last one. I was working. I went to Wizard Con. Yeah. It was in Wizard. Um, would have been 1998, summer yeah. of 98, July, and. Someone at DC leaked the news to to Wizard, and it became big news. Shazam is canceled. Well, the problem was there were still six issues to come oh out. Oh my God, that's so like a canceled TV show. Canceled, yeah, nobody wants. Yeah, why drop it? Because it's yeah. like, why should I bother? So yeah. the last six issues did sell descending order poorly, but up until that time, it was a, it was solid, a dead book. Yeah. It sold, you know, it sold 40, 50, no, 40, 50, copies. No, 40, I could see it. Nobody wants to get on a sinking ship. No, they just tanked it. I always felt really bad about that because no, basically... No, but in the years since then, I'm asking you, Jeff Johns took it over, they made the movie out of it. It's yet to really crack the general... People don't know him. They know the... Sh- I, don't know. I don't know if young kids know him because I have a Shazam shirt yeah. and some people get it, but most people don't. The movie did okay. It made like three or four hundred million. It was a Marvel money. They're making a sequel whenever this is over. But I don't know if it'll ever uh, become... I mean, you can't go from being the number one thing in the world to never getting back. It's like being a rock star. But I'm saying... The it's people, like you're Bruce Springsteen and now you can't sell... The people who were invested it. in that yeah. were people who are old. owned it. So oh, once, Fawcett, you mean? Yeah. Oh, so that's once, why they pushed it? Once DC... I mean, like I said, if you look at Marvel, too. I mean, Marvel, and through Disney especially, but Marvel, even when they bought Ultraverse... Back in the, yeah, they buried those characters. Right, they just buried it because yeah, they didn't need it. They bought it for the coloring comp- department. Yeah, but they, and they didn't want another competitor. So, but they, right, so they take space. it off. The, but they also bought it for the coloring department. Yeah. So basically, they're taking right. They're taking twenty books off the newsstands that they then can maybe expand into yeah. that. DC has a zillion characters. They don't care if they use them or not. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could cancel the entire DC line except for Superman, Batman, and maybe Wonder Woman, and you could populate it with launch relaunches of any number of obscure characters. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they did with the new 52, and yeah, I gave yeah, them yeah, credit yeah. for that because they tried stuff that was a little different. But there's so many characters; they're just to the, to the companies. It's IP. No, you know, it, it's like Captain Marvel. 
or Shazam, having been not published for so many years, becomes kind of like the Lone Ranger like or the Phantom yeah. or Doc Savage, By Smasher, the Shadow, yeah. any of those characters that get out of the public eye, that's like a whole generation that did not have that character. They don't know him anymore. You've severed a link. Yeah. Superman, Grandpa, Great Grandpa, everybody your does. Dad, yeah, but he's always on. Have bought a, a comic when they yeah. were a kid, and he's always on so TV. You sever that link. You sever the link, and you lose the thread. They've never been able to make Lone Ranger relevant. They've nope. not been able to make the Phantom nope. or Flash Gordon or any of these things relevant. Nope. They're just IP. They put it out, and someone goes, "Huh, that sounds familiar." That but you know what? You know how they just said they got Adam Strange back with uh, Tom King and Mitch Gerasmus, Doc Shaner. Then they did Mr. Miracle. So these guys did, and they did a, he did a Vision book too for Marvel. Because well, what he, were the sales on them? They were pretty good. I mean, I think it won awards. I'm not saying anything. I'm about just saying, it. I'm just saying is like, it because they're obscure characters and nobody? He could do what he wants. Yeah, they're like walk away. Let he him can do what he wants he for can twelve craft issues. What he wants. I mean, there's a lot of freedom in that. And uh, and you know it's going to be a twelve issue series. It's like well, it's a finite number, and it is, and they're going to bundle it up and sell it as a trade. And that's fine. That's how the, the business has changed a little bit in that way. I if think they got rid of weekly books stores, and just did trades, would you comic think stores need have? weekly comics. They do, but no one else does. Because what other thing you can think of as a weekly product? You have a, right, but you have daily TV news. shows. Maybe. No, but I'm saying like the once the market like it's like the TV networks too. They went from whatever 22 shows to, to like now mid season 10 like, or 13. Yeah, they do like the European like BBC right. stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be freeing from the creative point of view, mm -hmm. but, you know, this is a good example. When we were kids, mm -hmm. the TV show was on a certain night, and you yep. knew it. Yep. Like, oh my God, it's Thursday night, i got to watch the Mash is on, you know, Saturday night you got... Right. What is it? Like, it was Mash, and Bob, Mayor Tellemore, Bob Newhart, Carol Burnett. But maybe we're Boom. the last generation that is targeted to a specific night. Yeah. yeah. Because your kids... My oh, kids yeah, they watch whenever they want. Yeah. And they're streaming they're everything, so yeah. it doesn't matter. It's yeah. like, oh, I'll wait till all of them well, come Sunday, out. Well, Sunday, I think Sunday's The Walking Dead night. That's the only one that's left. That was a big deal. It's like, oh, Sunday night, Walking Dead's on. But again, I don't know if everybody's But like everybody, that. no, they, they DVR, or they watch it the next yeah. day, or they watch it on their phone. So it's probably the same thing with monthly comics. Mm -hmm. It's not as important. But I do think there's a thread to that type of adventure, you know? Yeah, see what happens. Well... Again, if you're a reader and you really like it, you can go, again, you're talking about like Tom King or whatever, if you get something that's really good, you don't really want it to end. Right. You know? Um, well, somebody posted that the other day. They said, what, when did a certain book that you love just stop being good? And I was like, because they would usually do that. Like, Moon Knight was good, but then once Doug Munch stopped and Bill Sienkiewicz left, I never touched it again because I didn't like it change the character change like new teams would come on and reinvent the character I'm like that's not why I like the other one but if the if, if the new teams came on and you liked it then I'd then start you'd be with it, it. Yeah. presumably yeah. I mean, there's a lot of books that change like, up I too much I feel that way and again it's I have like a weird thing going with DC because I like the characters but there's once they took me off the comp list yeah I was not going to buy the like that Lobo you mentioned him before they changed yeah. him to like this real skinny yeah. Con artist type thing. It wasn't well, was the, the big fire. Yeah, but it wasn't yeah. the same. It was character. like he was a dreamboat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> what is this? No, but I was thinking about like the Bendis Superman. Yeah. yeah. I don't have any feeling because I haven't read beyond. I read a, the first couple of things, 
I just I'm not buying those books because right. I'm not you get used to getting them and you, I would get them and I'd sort them and I would read them I in know. runs yeah, yeah. and then once I'm not doing that it's like I'm out of that I've stepped out of the circle no I hear you I so hear you. I'm not saying anything bad about it because I'm sure it's decent no I know but, it's just not once you get out of that habit of it you right, know, right. It's, it, to me it's still about like do I like the art mm-hmm. and the story mm-hmm. I mean I'll buy something if the art's good and the story's oh, I just terrible found out there but was I'm a, not going to be as involved I found out there was a Roger Stern 12 issue Captain America series which I didn't read because I wasn't reading Captain America at that point called Sons of Liberty okay. or, or Sentinel of Liberty okay and it was like a flashback to a colonial huh. Captain America oh yeah like during the revolution I'm when like oh really come on? uh 1996 oh okay and it was a 12 issue story and I was like oh I didn't know this existed yeah. so I asked Scott Martin he goes oh yeah it ran for like a year and they had an invaders thing I'm like they did so now I went and tracked it down on eBay for like 20 bucks I got the whole 12 issue yeah. run it's a trade too yeah. but see that's like oh I didn't know that existed yeah. so I think a lot of these stories people well that during that time 96 there was a lot of comics coming out there was a lot coming out really too many oh, wow. winding down today yeah it's very slow this is This has been a production of Big Fedora Marketing, LLC. The folks that bring you the terrific Comic-Con, GamerCon, and so much more. Thanks for listening.